welcome to Whole Brain Teaching, the podcast. Join your host, Rhonda Arl and Laura Forehand. We want to help you as teachers reach your full potential by keeping you up to date with all the latest and best Whole Brain Teaching strategies. Whole Brain Teaching is a grassroots educational reform movement founded by Coach Chris Biffle, Jay Vanderfin, and Chris Rexstad. Whole Brain Teaching's goal is to create peaceful classrooms through orderly fun. To support the podcast, please like and share with other teachers. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. And now, here are Laura and Rhonda. Welcome to Whole Brain Teaching the Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Laura Forehand, and I am here with my other co-host and very best friend, Rhonda. How are you doing today, Rhonda? I'm doing great, Laura. And like Laura said, I'm Rhonda Arlt, and I'm the other co-host, and we are so excited to have Christina Chapman with us on the podcast today. Christina is a gold-certified Whole Brain Teaching instructor. Welcome to the Whole Brain Teaching the Podcast, Christina. Thank you very much for having me today. Well, we are so excited to talk about um, some different things with you today. We want to start by having you give a bit of an introduction. Can you tell us where you teach, what grade you teach, and how long you've been using Whole Brain Teaching? I would love to. I have taught many different grade levels since being in special education. I've been using Whole Brain Teaching for about seven years. Currently, I have a unique position. I have seven kindergarten and first graders that are pretty much nonverbal. So it's, um, and they're functioning between a 15 month old and a 24 year old level. I've also taught resource. I've also taught a life class, which I enjoyed thoroughly. And um, even had a half a year last year in, in regular ed kindergarten. So I just get put wherever they need me. I love that. You're so flexible. Um, so let's get some background information. How did you find whole brain teaching? What is your whole brain teaching story? My story is pretty simple. I was getting frustrated because it just seemed like everything that my district used, I had learned in college, I had learned recently, just wasn't working. And I found the YouTube videos back when they did YouTube videos, and I read the original book. Then I decided to go and start working on my certification. It took a little longer than I originally anticipated, but that's kind of my story, how I got started. That's great. I remember you back starting around when Laura and I were kind of doing things. We all kind of, we met at a conference and stuff. Those were some good times. So as a special education teacher, and I think this is what our listeners are going to be so thrilled to hear from you about, is we would love to hear about the unique whole brain teaching experience that you have in special education. What are some of your favorite strategies to use with your students? First of all, I'd like to say, as I talked about my various years that I've taught, each year has been a different experience because each class is uniquely different. One year I had a resource and I used the four step of instruction. Now it's five. I kept a super improver wall. The following years I had more significantly challenging class. 
where I used whole brain teaching with large and small groups. A lot of my kids made um, Living Legend, both the resource year and um, the life class that was really rewarding. This year, I have had to really slow things down. I've used the Super Improver Wall. I've used three peats and um, used the classroom instruction that's very slow. It, um, I use a lot of visuals and I have kind of adapted by using a lot of sign language. That really helps for some reason, the kids who are nonverbal be able to communicate because they're feeling the movement with their hands and they're parroting and eventually on their own speaking what I want them to do. The parents really like the super improver wall because I use it in conjunction with Class Dojo and that's a, a project we did a few years ago. It's uh, on online and then a few years ago some very creative people made some certificates. So I use those as well. I'll take a picture of the child with a certificate. And even if they're nonverbal, the parents are very excited because they know that their child is making improvements. A lot of times with special education, there are not a lot of improvements made or the phone calls or the messages home are on the negative side. Mm -hmm. I'm one of those teachers that tends to not have all the negative phone calls, more positive than negative. So it sounds like you focus a lot on our hoping teaching, like the basics, even in the special ed classroom. Now, there's other components that I've used, such as the Legos and Peace Circle, but I'd have to say that the basics are a great way to start, especially if you're teaching special education. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I heard you say that some of the accommodations that you use for these whole brain teaching strategies is that you bring sign language into it. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Like what is your, what would be like maybe your most favorite strategy? Maybe it is the, um, the teaching cycle. And then how would you make those accommodations? Like what does that look like in your classroom? The one I like to share about, I do colors, of course. Um, share about is doing the who, what, where, and when. And I've had discussions with other professionals in my building that they can't believe that kids that are significantly delayed cannot find the who, what, where in a story. Now you may need to read it a couple of times, but when you do the sign language who and what and where and how, it's amazing how using sign language and using coaches strategies with the visuals. I made small visuals so that they have that as well as the sign and that they can go to each part and be able to identify in the story who's the main character in the story, who are the supporting characters and so on and so forth. How about like the wonder words? You know, when you when you said the who, the what, the, the how. Okay. Okay. So you do you use the wonder words in conjunction with sign language or do you keep those separate? No, I use them with the sign language. I know coach has other um, gestures, but I found that because my kids are limited speaking that I would rather give them, and I know coach would agree with me on this, have uh, sign language because they're learning the English, they're learning how to communicate, 
but it seems like the sign language in conjunction to saying words the best that they can um, helps them be able to speak and do sentences much quickly than if I just had them parrot what I'm saying. That is so interesting to me. And I mean, I just think it's amazing all that you do for your students and stuff and the adaptions that you've made to do what's best for them. And to me, the sign language is something that they could probably take, you know, even with their parents or other teachers as well. So that's really awesome. So social emotional learning or SEL has become such a huge part of teaching. What part or parts of Holbrain teaching help with the social emotional part of teaching in your classroom? I do the peace circle in my, um, in the past. And when I took kids out to recess, when they did the practicing of the rules, I would add, what would you do differently? And it was kind of neat because the kids could sense that even before I told them who was going to be out for recess, they would know and that they would be able to explain to me back very clearly why they sat out and what they would do differently. And these were kids that were functioning at the time at a three or four year old level. And it just blew my mind that they can do that. I did try some of the other strategies that coach had last year and um, work with the parents, but it just seems like the peace circle, the um, having that short conversations with the practice was most effective with my kids. You've mentioned parents a couple times. Um, how have they responded to you using whole brain teaching with their with their children. I had a little boy this year that came in mid-year. His name is Jamar. and say his first name. And he um, came into the program living with his paternal grandparents. And when he first came to me, he was jumping tables and, and couldn't sit still to save his life. But as he um, adjusted to my classroom, I found that he could communicate with sign language, but also liked the gestures. And his grandparents, even though he's not speaking fluently, because he's been a part of my classroom, I feel that either the, the sign language, the gestures, the um, intonations in his speaking have greatly improved. Most of the time, Believe it or not, even if he doesn't speak clearly, I can understand him. And that's the great thing about whole brain teaching is it's a lot of physical movement. It's a lot of visual movement, verbal movement, kinesthetic movement. And when you do that, it's amazing how the kids will respond. I had a, another um, little boy who came in just a few weeks ago, and he was in the other classroom hitting, kicking, hurting other students. He came into my classroom and he is the most loving, wonderful kid, um, has decreased his tantrums probably about 100%. And he loves the fact that I am very kinesthetic motivated when I'm teaching him in a big group or a small group. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the thing that as you were talking that it made me think about is how much like the gestures, like we know that American Sign Language 
is a way of communication, but really like, so are the gestures and the movements that we do in our classroom with whole brain teaching. Have you found that to be the case in your classroom as well, that that's kind of a way for them to communicate with one another and with you? Absolutely. And um, hands and eyes is another one. It really gets them very quickly to do what they're supposed to do. The three peats with up, 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 seat, seat, seat. In, in, in with the chairs and then coming back going um, seat, 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 chair, chair, chair. It's just that short, mm -hmm. concise method of communication that is so important. And even if the kids can't verbally say things clearly, one of my greatest rewards a few years ago was I had a little boy, his name was Chris, just like mine, and his dad did, did not believe the things that he could do that I had been sharing with the parents. And so one day, unannounced, my um, principal did not tell me that he was coming in. And so he spent an hour in my classroom. And this little boy just wanted to perform for his dad. And he did the class rules. I mean, it was just with the gestures. It was just phenomenal. And his dad walked away and thought, I've never seen him be able to do what he can do. And I know it's all due to whole brain teaching. Yeah, I agree. I had a little boy, it must have been three years ago now, who was nonverbal. And he would get up and, I mean, he could, he maybe could not articulate the words to where everyone could understand, but he knew what he was doing and he knew the gestures and he would lead our rule reviews sometimes. And it was just like, it's so inclusive in my opinion. It just makes your classroom so much more inclusive. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So as a teacher, just starting out with whole brain teaching, because we've all been there, all three of us have been there or thinking about implementing it. What tips or advice would you give to a teacher? Like we're in April right now when this releases, it'll still be probably April, beginning of May. Um, you know, what if they want to start it now? We've talked about it's never too late, but what would you, what suggestions would you offer? First of all, I say start at any time. My first conference was in Winnebago, Illinois. I um, came back and immediately integrated it into my classroom. And that was the end of March of about seven years ago. So I'd say start with the basics first, such as the attention getters, add in the super improver wall once they um, understand the attention getters and integrate it in the way that you communicate with parents. Um, there's a couple ways that I've communicated with parents. Remind was one. Class Dojo, I really like that because if you go on the website, they have the icons and you could integrate that. And then you have that two-way communication where the parents see the positive things that are happening and just be patient with yourself and be patient with the kids. The kids will learn the method a lot faster, even if they're significantly delayed a lot of times than you. And every year is different. This year that I have with nonverbal students and some other challenging situations are um, different than what I had last year with a regular ed kindergarten class who had never been to school in their life. And then the year before having a life class with some kids that were significantly delayed, but did have some skills and were able to take care of themselves. So each year is uniquely different. 
Well, I feel like you're one of our um, special education experts. So, so what is the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you if they would have any questions? Well, on Facebook, they could um, contact me at Christina Lee Steele Chapin. And um, the other one is I'm on Instagram on Sped Kinder. And also on Sped Kinder, I have several ideas with um, teaching kids with inexpensive and free items that they can, um, with just a little work, can make into a play that will help them be able to learn. I've seen you post some things about like some materials that you use with your kids. So definitely um, check out her Facebook page because she's got a lot of great ideas that she puts on there too. So, And people can contact you at Christina Chapman at wholebrainteaching.com too, correct? Yes, absolutely. Okay, perfect. Well, I may have to bug you because, you know, I have Jackson, my little grandson, and he's going to be starting kindergarten. And I think it'd be awesome to see what you have out there. Um, he he is nonverbal as well. So I'm going to definitely have to check out what kind of goodies you have out there, Christina. So, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Um, I um, have had the opportunity for the last five years to be in children's church. And believe it or not, I've been able to integrate a lot of the processes, the the five step into a lesson. I've been able to integrate it, whether I'm leading a new song. And also we have, believe it or not, I'm very thankful. Our children's pastor has several children with significant needs in the children's church. And it's neat because most kids are understanding and that they have a place to go. And it makes me sad because in the past I've seen situations both at school and at church where kids were not given a place that they could worship and I um, think that's really sad Mm -hmm. and the parents need a break and I'm just thankful that I can provide that hour and a half break for those parents that may not get away from their children except for school during the week Mm -hmm. and speaking of a mother to a daughter who is the mother to a son who has multiple disabilities. You are such a godsend. You really, really are Um, because you're right. Those parents, they need, they need that. They need that little break. It's not that they don't love those babies to death, but they do need a break. So thank you for doing what you do. And it has been such a joy and a pleasure to have you on the podcast today and to learn um, a little bit more about you and what you do and to get to know you a little bit better. So thank you so much for sharing your whole brain teaching journey with us today. And I know it's going to help so many listeners, teachers, parents, because I think that you've just talked to us a little bit about how you can take these whole brain teaching um, strategies and take them into a Sunday school class or, you know, into other areas, not just in the classroom. So thank you so much for sharing that with us today. Thank you. Yes, the thing I wanted to say is um, all of us taught during COVID and we had to do online instruction and whole brain teaching transfers very easily to whole brain instruction. Mm-hmm. I um, had the opportunity to meet with 
either my class at the time as um, singly or as a whole. And it was really funny that one parent of my paraprofessional said to my paraprofessional, oh, I really enjoy listening to when your teacher teaches. And that was just the biggest compliment because I didn't anticipate or really realize that not only are the parents listening, but my <laughs> staff, their right. mom is listening as well. <laughs> That's a, that's a great point. I mean, and I think it allowed parents at that time to kind of take a step into the classroom and see what teachers were doing and how we were doing things. And I think, I mean, I remember reaching out to coach saying, you know, we're going to shut down. I'm going to be on this computer. I'm going to be on zoom. What do I do? I haven't taught this way before. How am I, you know, how am I going to do this? And so he kind of came up with a way for us to all continue with whole brain teaching. So yeah, great point. Thanks for bringing that up. So it's always great to hear another teacher's whole brain teaching story. So thank you, Christina, for being on the podcast. We appreciate your willingness to help so many teachers. Remember to check out our website at www.wholebrainteaching.com for information about whole brain teaching. Also, just a reminder to check out the whole brain teaching official store for those free resources that we have on Teachers Pay Teachers. Yes. And once again, we are so appreciative of all of our listeners for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share this with all your teacher friends and even your administrators. We are extremely grateful for each and every one of you. We could not do this without you. So until next time, bye-bye.